This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Here's Ray Addison. Yes, hello, welcome to Motor Mania. Good to have your company. Coming up this morning, journalist Damien Reed will be talking about the challenges of charging an electric vehicle. I'll be chatting to Sonny Baines at Expat Wheels about the do's and don'ts of window tints. And motoring historian Mohamed Lukman will be here to discuss a special UAE-based number plate which is going up for auction. All of that plus, and this is This is really like groundbreaking stuff, I think. A prototype flying car has completed its first flight between cities in Slovakia. Its creator said it takes just over two minutes to transform from a normal car, like the Transformers, I guess. It runs on ordinary petrol and it can fly at a height of 8,000 feet for 1,000 kilometres. So that's our question in today's double poll. Firstly... Would you like to own a flying car? Did you ever think anyone would ever ask you that? Well, it could be a reality soon. And secondly, should you need a pilot's licence to fly one? Head over to our page at Dubai I 103.8 FM and click on our story to vote and I'll keep you up to date with the results throughout the show. Time now, though, for something we like to call... Fix it. Or flip it. Yes, we've got an hour with motoring expert Matthew Davidson. He's head of pricing at algodriven.xyz. He's our valuation guru. He can tell you how much your car is worth right now, today. And if it's time to think about selling it, all you need to do is give him details of the make, the model, the year and the mileage of your car. You can send all of that to us in an SMS to 4001 or you can use the ARN Play app. That's completely free of charge. And then you can have a proper conversation with Matthew and uh, he can ask you follow-up questions and give you a really precise valuation. And we do, of course, give priority to callers. Uh, let's say hello to Matthew now. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Ray. You well? How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Excellent. Super busy week. Excellent. Yes, and uh, and sorry for not getting back to you on your voicemail. I've had a super busy week as well. Um, but big things uh, happening at the firm. Yeah, so... You know, for a long time, I've talked about the importance of getting a pre-purchase car inspection before buying. When yep. you consider how much we all spend money on cars, and we we just don't feel there's the the right solution for for people in the market. And let me expand on that. So, mm. for example, if I go to a mechanic and he checks it, he'll have some kind of written report with a score. Maybe he tells you it's, you know, five out of 10. Yeah. Then you go to someone else and they score it by stars and they don't show you photos and they don't explain what's actually wrong with the car very well. So at Algo Driven, we've actually designed what we hope will be a universal pre-purchase inspection. We're calling the, we're calling the product Axle Inspect, okay. A-X-L-E Inspect. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the most detailed inspection report, but the easiest and most clearest report to read, um, full of photos, full of rich information. And the idea is that we start getting uh, all the main stakeholders, all the main people that are inspecting cars using one unified product, which mm-hmm. makes it much easier for people to understand uh, the differences between cars when they're buying them because they're scored the same, the reports are laid out the same. Uh, and we actually launched that this week and already the response has been quite remarkable from all the different inspection partners and, and, oh, and garages, etc. Because we're all crying out for one unified product so we can all understand how to actually score and measure a used car. Fantastic. So that could, could potentially be something we see uh, become sort of industry-wide. 
that's what we're hoping mm. for. And, and as, as I said, I, I just want, as, <clears throat> as an actual end user, if I go and see Alexis tomorrow and I get a report and it says it's five out of 10 and, and it's got a leak here, uh, and then two years later, I go somewhere else and it says it's two two stars out of five. And I, I've got no measurement yeah. of, of, of how to look at used cars where we're building out one product that everybody uses that's very simple and straightforward that just tells you this is the car. This is a score out of 100. Mm. This is what's wrong. Uh, here's detailed photos so you can give it straight to a mechanic or workshop and they they don't need to even see the car but yeah yeah it's 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 a really great project you can go to axleaxleinspect.com and find out more excellent thanks for telling us about that matthew and um, you are here to give uh, valuations car valuations I wanted to ask you about this story of the flying car matthew the, uh, it's obviously it's it's done a test flight uh, in slovakia between cities um it's a prototype uh, it's got a bmw engine it runs on regular petrol uh, from a you know from a regular uh, station and it had a 35 minute flight what do you think of this story well i you know Jokes aside, um, for this business really to to take off mm. uh, flying cars, um, I, I don't see it ever happening until they're automated. Oh, never because, say never. Look, it, if if two two cars have an accident on the street, that's damage is limited to the two cars that hit each other. But two cars hit in the sky, it's going to rain debris down everywhere, which yeah. is why aircraft have aircraft avoidance systems, <clears> and it's very complicated. And it's the policing and, and the uh, the routes and everything that that are going to take a tremendous amount of figuring out. And I think it would work. But when you get in your automated flying car and computers will map out the route and keep us all safe, that's right. the only way I see it working. Yeah. I mean, we are, you know, we're running that poll, obviously, on uh, on Instagram at Dubai I1038FM. Um, you know, we're asking people, you know, would they want to own one? At the moment, majority of people are saying yes. Um, and then we're also asking, if you do own one, should you actually have to have a pilot's license? You know, should you have essentially gone through the training that anyone would have to go through to, to fly a light aircraft? Because that's essentially what it is. Yeah. And, and that that's my point that I just made previously is there's so much complexity in, in actual f- anything that flies. I mean, look at the regulation that's gone into drones. Uh, I, I mean, th- they're not even carrying anybody and there's, there's so much regulation. Mm. So look, I, I think, would I own one? Yeah. If, if they can figure <laughs> everything out, who wouldn't want to get from a to B much quicker. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't personally see it happening until, until they figure everything out. And that, really can only be done by automation because I wouldn't want to be in the sky with everyone else just flying around. Imagine tailgating, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the sky. Oh, no, I It'd know. Be, pretty sc- be pretty scary, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, doesn't bear thinking about. Switchboard starting to fill up. Let's go first to Vinit. Vinit is on, appropriately enough, line number one. Good morning, Vinit. Good morning. Good morning, sir. What would you like to ask? Go for it. Okay. So, hi, hi, Matthew. So, I have a BMW X5, which I bought um, in 2011, I now remember. Um, it may even be 2010, actually. So, it's been with, with me a while. It's done 200,000. Uh, it's still got its original paint job, um, but a few, you know, odd uh, scratches that one has picked up in the last 10 years. Um, I'm looking at perhaps moving to hybrid or electric, which is why I'm considering the option of selling. So just wanted to know what you think the, the price of it could be or what value should I 
ask for. Matthew. Hi, morning. Well, the car's value, if it's the 2011 X5 for those kilometers, I'm guessing it's the V6. Um, it's the V6, that, V6 3.5i, yeah. that's right. Yes, so so that car will be worth late 20s, 28, 29,000. Um, okay. In terms of moving to a hybrid, you, you've you've now got quite a lot of options coming into the market, particularly for for 2020, 2021. Uh, and there's yeah. so much choice. You know, Honda Accords. I mean, Hyundai and Kia have come out with their hi- hybrids, like the Elantra for Hyundai, um, mm. Toyota's Camry, Avalon. Um, you've got Hondas Insight. There's there's a lot of options out there. Uh, I think. Finding a hybrid won't be a massive issue. It's finding the 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 car that that you like. So I would look at the the specific manufacturer that you like, like for example yes. BMW, and then look at their hybrid options because you're not going to have too much of a problem finding a hybrid. I was looking at uh, the Volkswagen uh, advertising on the football, which is this new electric car that they've launched. Anything? Any? Is that likely to come out here? Uh, it will come out here, but that's obviously a fully electric car. And and we talk right. about this regularly on the show. You need to make sure that you've got the personal infrastructure in place for uh, an electric car. So, for example, if you lived in an apartment, where where are you going to charge that car? That's no, fundamentally the problem. But I, I I have a villa, so that should be all right. So then then you're 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 set up better for for an electric car. But the Volkswagen they do an SUV called the ID4. Um, and mm. that's actually just one world car of the year. So you're, you're definitely barking up the right tree. Um, but if you, if you fancy going full electric and you've got a villa, I would definitely go to Volkswagen and take a look at the ID4 because that is really quite uh, a thing to, to look at. Really beautiful. Hope that helps, Vinny. Thanks so much for giving us a call. Uh, our second caller on line number eight is Joanne. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Uh, right, I have a 2014 Ford Focus ST. Um, it's got a manual gearbox, 150,000 kilometers. Uh, I'm looking to sell it, but I'm not sure how much because obviously it is an old era car and it's got quite high mileage, mm-hmm. but it's a manual gearbox and I think manuals are a bit in demand at the moment mm-hmm. and the ST is being discontinued in the country. So, I'm wondering if I could get a better price than I was thinking. Any accidents or any problems? No, 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 no accidents. Um, The aircon needs to be regassed. It's full full service and everything. Okay, let's see what Matthew has to say. Morning, Joanne. Um, A a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, the the ST is is such a great hot hatch. I mean, two-litre turbo manual. Um, the, the manual is good for people that can drive manual, but remember that 80% of people in the UAE can't drive a manual. So straight away, you've cut your, your audience down. But, but an ST is very specific anyway. I mean, there's probably about 30 2014 STs available in the entire UAE. Um, in terms of price, I would say to be competitive, you probably want with those kilometers to have it. 27 28,000 dirhams um I, I i think you'll close the sale around 25 um but it will sell and it will sell to probably somebody um european 
that loves their hot hatches, that, that always dreamed of maybe having one when they were living back in Europe and now they can come here, have their ST uh, and take it off your hands for, for less than 30,000 dirhams. Going to have to take a quick break now, Matthew and Joanne. Joanne, if you want to ask any follow-up questions to Matthew, please stay on the line and we will take you the other side of this. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, the guy you really want to hear from is motoring expert Matthew Davidson. He's with us now and we are taking your live calls, your live car valuations. And Matthew will do his best to give you a live valuation of your vehicle. Tell us the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the condition. That's as simple as that. And you can ask as many follow-up questions as you like. Uh, Manish has called in Matthew. Good morning, Manish. Good morning. How are you? Very well, sir. What would you like to ask Matthew? Uh, I have a Lincoln MKC. It's a 2015 model, mm-hmm. uh, but first registered in 2016. Single loan. Uh, it was in the service full service package of Ford, mm-hmm. and uh, I've done about 82,000 kilometers on it. I'm looking to sell this and buy a new one. So how much would I be getting it? I'm not sure. Okay, so it's a Lincoln MKZ, yes? MKC. MKC, 2.3 litre, uh, 2015, but registered in 2016, 82,000 kilometres. Matthew. Correct. Mo- morning. Morning. That's a nice morning. car. It's a re- really good SUV for moving the family around. Um, I think you need to uh, get that car online for around 70,000. That is mm-hmm. what... Uh, I recommend, I think, if you uh, if you make it very clear, the, the real great selling features you've got of this car, um, like the uh, all-wheel drive, EcoBoost, etc., it's, it's so competitive against uh, other comparable SUVs in the market and great value as well. I think you'll do well and you'll sell this. How does that Thank sound, Thank you, Manish? Matthew. Uh, perfect. What's motivating uh, the sale, Manish? It's just that uh, I've done my uh, service package on it. It's been five years old now. Yeah. I'm just looking for an upgrade and also to a seven-seater, actually, Mm. with the family extended. So I'm looking for a seven- or an eight-seater car. How would you feel about a... um a car which could transform and then fly would that be something you'd be interested in <laughs> i have my i have the same concerns that what matthews yeah automobile engineer by profession also and i would say that i have the same concerns as what matthew highlighted mm. having bet- a nice autonomous car would be a better option than mm. having a normal uh, person just taking over yeah, well, I think the Emirates team would be, uh, you know, the, the Emirates airline team. They'll be loving to have this, though. Uh, thanks very much yes. for your thoughts, Manish. Really appreciate it. Carla's on line number seven. Good morning, Carla. Morning. Morning, Carla. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. <laughs> take it. Take it away. Um, okay, so we've got a 2016 Range Rover Evoque. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got just under 86,000 kilometres mileage. Um, it's had full service through the agency, no accidents. Um, I do have a little bit of scratch on one of the rims. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a few like things in the door, you know, where people have opened their car doors lovely and smashed yeah. my car. I'm aware, <laughs> I'm aware of this phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but other than that, it's in perfect condition. Okay. And you th- why are you thinking about letting it go? 
we want something bigger now. Ooh. So we're thinking of either, well, we were thinking maybe we're going to trade it in. Um, I did get it valued from them. Okay. Um, but then looking at what's in the market, I think what they valued it as is very low, obviously. Ooh. I, I, don't know, I don't know why, but um, well, yeah, we've, had, we've just had a full service done on it at the agency. Yep. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. Okay, well, after Matthew's told you his, uh, his valuation, would, if you don't mind, tell us what, the, what they offered you and uh, we'll see how they compare. Matthew. Yeah. Uh, quick question: Is it, the warranty's out now, or is it just about to expire? It's just expired. So we just had our last okay. on it as part of the warranty. Because um, Land Rover will let you extend that warranty up to seven years. So it, the five-year warranty would have gone, but you can extend it. Um, just FYI, in terms of value, okay. I, I'm. I'm saying with those kilometers around 95,000 is what I'd put, I'd put that out into the market. You, you need to be under 100 to make it competitive. Yeah. Um, the the only exception to that is if it was a dynamic uh, trim, then you could probably squeeze uh, maybe a little bit more, uh, maybe 105. But um, I, I would say around 95,000. 95. So okay. what, what do they offer you then, Carla? 65. 65. <laughs> Wow. Okay, they should wear a mask because that's, that's, that's robbery. <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's even more than the 10% you said you, uh, that you, you know, garages often uh, offer under, Matthew. It's, uh, that's quite a lot. 20, 20, 20% is the figure. 20%. So generally, yeah, yeah. So if it's, if it's on the market for 95, you should expect that, 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 that dealers will offer you around 80. But 65 for that car with those kilometers and the fact it's just been serviced again to maintain its complete service history from the agency um yeah that's that's really a, a low price so very you, low so matthew if, if, if carla puts it on for 95 do you think she'll end up probably doing a deal at you know 92 93 something like that certainly above 90 i wouldn't yeah. sell it for less than 90 mm. um the, the reason they're offering so low is they just don't want the car they're forcing you to it's a headache for them, and they're not going to re- retail that car. Mm. So they they actually just want you to to go and find another way to sell it. That's a, that's a polite way of saying I'll take it off your hands if it's ridiculously cheap. But else, uh, you know, we don't want the headache. Yeah. Does that help you make up your yeah. mind then, Carla? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous, yeah. um, but then I thought maybe I'm, you know, I love the car so much. Maybe I'm being a little bit overzealous. I, I thought around eighty-five, ninety. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm happy. Thank you so much for clarifying that for me. Good. Thank you so much for calling. Really appreciate it. Uh, Kinjal is on line number eight. Good morning, Kinjal. Hey. Good morning, guys. Good. Good morning. Really well. Thanks for calling. Uh, what would you like to ask, Matthew? 2004 Toyota Land Cruiser GXR, mm-hmm. 192,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Single owner. I'm looking to get rid of it. Okay. So I'm just wondering. Okay. Very quiet line, so I'm just going to repeat some of that, just in case Matthew didn't get it. It's a Toyota Land Cruiser 2004 GXR six-cylinder, uh, one owner, no accidents, and it's got 192,000 kilometers on the clock, Matthew. Well, first of all, wow. Uh, I mean, a Land Cruiser that's been singly owned for 17 years, uh, that is super rare. And that should, needs to be the only headline that you have for any advertising for this car. Um, everybody will be chasing after this car. And I think you could put this car as, even though it's a 2004 in those kilometers, you could put this car up for 
35,000 uh, to even 40,000, and it will sell simply because of the story. One owner, <laughs> and the reason that's so important is because the person buying it, they, they don't have to think about where this car's been. The person in front of them has been the single owner from day one. So yeah, very, very desirable car. Um, and you should think about 35 to 40K. Is that number uh, agreeable to you, Kinjal? Yeah, I mean, I kind of had a 50 in my, in my head. Okay. But yeah, I mean, 40 is, 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 is quite good. Okay, fantastic. Uh, to upgrade to a better car now. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Thanks very much for calling in. What, why, what is it about these cars that they, they change hands uh, so much then, Matthew? The, the, or is it the just Land the age? Cruiser, the Land Cruiser for the, for the whole Gulf region mm. is the staple car. It's the one that everyone wants. They're, they're easy to maintain. They're super reliable. The parts are, are widely available. But particularly that, that 2004 as well, you know, people are now gravitating towards the more retro cars. Mm. They like the retro look. Um, but, you know, this, this, this will be uh, possibly even moved out of the UAE across to, um, you know, maybe Saudi, maybe Oman, et cetera, because they're, they're very desirable. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, you, once the 2004s are gone, they're gone, obviously. So um, there's fewer and fewer every year on the market because they get worn out and, and they, uh, they get scrapped. So, yeah, yeah this, this, this will sell well. Fix it. Or flip it. Yes, lots and lots and lots of calls now. Uh, Gilbert's coming up next. We've got Joshua as well. Quick question, though, on the SMS for you, Matthew. This is from Dominic, and he says, Hi, hi, Matthew. Does the number plate of the car impact on the asking value, and how much of an impact does it have? For example, he says, I've got 1, 2, 3, 10. Does that add value or not? Well... Anything only adds value of the person to the person that thinks it adds value. Yeah. So, I mean, on this subject of plates, there's two types of plates. There's plates that are RTA issued onto a car, mm-hmm. and then ones that you can actually pay money for, like a four-digit plate, three-digit plate, and you actually own that plate. So, a lot of people ask me this question: If I've got a plate on my car, just a regular RTA plate, can I keep it for my next car? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. When you sell. Your car, you have to tell the uh, the RTA that you would like to retain it on your traffic file. And yeah. then when you get your next car, you can put it on. And you can do that up, up to a maximum of 12 months. Um, but you can't sell that plate because it's not owned by you. It's owned by the, the government. Mm-hmm. In terms of value, yeah, look, as I said, uh, here's, here's an example of how it could add value. If you had a 911 and in sure. the plate it said 911, then that's going to be much more desirable than than another nine eleven. But mm. look, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hang your hat on thinking it's worth much money or, or going to add much value value to the car. On the topic of number plates, uh, stay tuned because later on in the show we'll be chatting to car historian Mohammed Lukman about a special number plate uh, which is going to be released uh, later this year. It's UAE fifty, so obviously has a lot of significance. It's going on auction in the UK. Uh, that will be later on on this program. Right, let's go back to our live call. Now, Gilbert is on line number one. Good morning, Gilbert. Sorry to make you wait. No problem. No problem at all. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, Take it away. I've got a BMW X5 a 
model 2009, 4.8-litre mm-hmm. engine, 170,000 kilometres. Uh, we bought it in 2012. It's just passed. We re-licensed it, passed its test uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So it's valid for 12 months there. Just wanted to get an indication what sort of uh, value do you think it would Matthew. achieve today. It's a yeah, morning. Black. Morning. Morning. Yeah, Gilbert, that that car, um, the the value is around twenty five thousand dirhams. The problem that you'll you'll have is people know that particularly those big V eight engines, um, they can cost money when they go wrong, uh, and you need to make it very clear in in the advertising of this car that you've uh, that it's running well, that it's serviced well, that it's just passed the RTA test. Um, that obviously means the tires, uh, brakes, etc., uh, are okay. Else, it wouldn't have passed that test. Um, so it will sell for around 25. But you do need to make it very clear that it's that it's if it if it genuinely is running well, that 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 you yeah. could communicate that fact to people because people are scared by these cars. Mm. They could easily cost you 25,000 for the next 12 months in maintenance um, if you if you pick one that needs a lot of work. So, yeah, 25,000, yeah. yeah. Gilbert. Is it costing a lot to upkeep at the moment, uh, Gilbert? Uh, no, it has done, I think, not last year, but the year before, we spent a bit on it. Mm. Um, but, in fact, we've done, I think we've used it more locally anyway, so it hasn't been heavy driving. Um, and when we drive it locally, we live in Rack, and then we head down to Dubai every uh, sort of twice a week or something like that. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, not too much trouble at all. Okay, good. Well, thank you. And thank you for tuning in for, all the way from Russell Kamer as well. We really appreciate that. Uh, let's go to line number five. This is Joshua. Good morning, Joshua. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Oh, thank you very much for having me online. No problem uh, at all. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, you just said the dashboard is empty. So I'm like, uh, okay, let me give it a try. I know. I'm we, lucky. <laughs> and, and, and do you know what? I would never lie to you, Joshua. I would never tell you it was empty if it wasn't empty. I probably, And it's always first come, first served on this show as well. So we, you know, we take you in the order that you guys call. Uh, so we appreciate yeah. your phone call. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm driving a Kia Cerato, mm-hmm. a 2016 model. It's a, a single owner, just uh, did uh, one, 100, uh, 180,000 mm-hmm. around, a little less. So just wanted to see how much can we get out of that car. Are you thinking of uh, buying a new, a new car? That's correct. Okay, so you want to get as much as you can. Matthew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mo- morning, Joshua. Those cars actually morning. sell really, re- really well. Um, and I think the, the only sticking point is... For a 2016, it's pretty high kilometers, um, mm-hmm. but I still think that you would you would reach 50,000. Uh, I would at least start it at 50,000 and then see how much interest you get, knowing that you could, you could drop down a little bit. But I think it will sell for 50,000 because they're they're quite desirable, um, and as we've talked about, Kia and Hyundai particularly have really come a long way in the last decade. And now people are, uh, are looking at them as an alternative to the Japanese cars. Hmm. You must oh, do thank you very much. a lot of, Actually, a lot of know, driving being in sales. Yeah, being in sales, uh, I couldn't avoid that. I, yeah. could, uh, I had to do that. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, it was very, so nice uh, because I was offered like uh, 20,000 or something. So, ah, okay. uh, 
Yeah. So that's for a 2016. That's that's there's a lot of robbery yeah. going on today all <laughs> over the UAE. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that helps. There you go. You can you can play them back yeah. this tape and say no, it's 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 worth a lot more than that. Thanks so much for calling in, Joshua. Let's go to um, well, I would go to Kevin, but I'm going to go to Jay first uh, on line number three. Good morning, Jay. James, good morning. James, sorry, sir. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Um, 2009 Range Rover Vogue HSE, uh, five liter supercharged. Um, it's tired because I have used it heavily, but I've had it from 1,300 kilometers now at 110. Personally, uh, having had Range Rovers, etc., for 30 years, it would almost be sold for parts now <laughs> because it's start- it, it is starting to be tired. Yeah. Uh, the interior really does need work, if I'm honest. Okay, okay. But you're Just looking about valuation, Matthew. Yeah, I mean they 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 are getting tired now, and it's the older shape. Um, but you're right that it's the parts and the uh, and as we talked about before, you know you've you've got to um, really have uh, a strong stomach to take these cars on as they get older and higher kilometers value wise. 23 24,000 um maybe even up to 25 but you're going to have to really get over that that sticky point of people understanding that these are big v8 supercharged cars the suspension goes wrong on them there's a lot that can go wrong on these cars so yeah i think i i would definitely sell it you you've, you seem like you've you've had it for a long time and you've extracted a lot of value out of it but Get it on for, well, for early twenties, early to mid twenties, and 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 yeah, it should be it should be sold. So, so quick, another quick question: If you swap the air suspension out for a spring suspension, how how would people react if I did that? Because that that's what happens on the big Range Rovers when they go. Yeah, of course, and you can you can get aftermarket and reconditioned um, parts now. I, I know that you can fix the suspension for eight to ten thousand, but putting in Putting in solid springs is going to give a pretty harsh ride. Um, I wouldn't necessarily advise that, and you're still going to be into several thousand dirhams to do that. You may as well, if if you were going to do it, you, I would just go down the route of reconditioned um, and uh, non-OEM parts, and you can get it done for eight to ten. Whereas if you put springs in, you're still going to spend four, maybe even five k with all the labor and, and everything to do that and removing all the existing systems. So, yeah, I, I would I would still uh, go down the path of, of replacing the, the air suspension with reconditioned parts. James, hope that helps. Thank you very much. Uh, Alan will be next after Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you guys? Very well. Sorry to skip you there, but you were grey on my switchboard, so I didn't think you were I didn't think you were quite ready, but uh, take it away now. No problem. I have a uh, 2012 SL500, mm-hmm. 60,000 miles. Was thinking about trying something different, maybe leasing for a while an R8 or a Corvette or something, and just mm. mixing up life. Th- so you're thinking of leasing? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's get some uh, lease money for you, Matthew. Uh, I, I didn't hear the car. Unfortunately, it was a bad line. I. I I think SL, but I'm not sure of the year or kilometers it's or anything. It's a Mercedes SL 500. It's a 2012, and it's got 60,000 kilometers. Uh, and you want to look at uh, selling that and then getting into leasing a vehicle? Yeah. Yes, that's what he said, yeah. 
So let's let's address the uh, the SL price first. I mean, that car is probably around 85k, um, but there won't be huge amounts on the market. So I would take a look and see what others are going for, and then maybe adjust that accordingly. You you, you don't want to be the cheapest on the market, but you don't want to be the most expensive. Um, but my gut feeling is around 85. Um, leasing is a huge thing at the moment um, since the, the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and all of the uh, the main brands are now doing some quite attractive offers on leasing. I, I was looking at um, some of the stuff that BMW are doing now on the, the 5 Series, the X5s and the Minis. It's just very affordable, you know, a few thousand dirhams a month and you hand the car back after 12 or 24 months. So. Um, I think if you're if you want the flexibility to get out of a car um, in 12 or 24 months, then leasing should definitely be a consideration versus buying a new one and, and eating the depreciation. You're back with Ray Addison on Motormania. Only on Dubai I 103.8. Oh, it's coming into those final 10 minutes of the section with Matthew Davidson. It is, of course, fix it or flip it. We've got speed quote coming up as well. Uh, Matthew, how are you feeling about speed quote today? Eight to beat. I really want to try and beat it this week. Mm. I'm determined. Let's do this. Let's do positive mental attitude. That's what we need. Uh, before we, we get to that, it. though, let's uh, let's finish off uh, with these last couple of callers. Uh, we have Alan on line number one. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, gents. Good morning, sir. Take it away. Uh, yes, I have a, an older car, a 1988 SL560 convertible. Mm. And I'm really curious of what this could be valued at. Okay. And what's the mileage? Uh, in kilometres, about 160,000 kilometres. Okay. Classic Mercedes SL560, 1988, 160,000 kilometres on the clock. Matthew. Yeah. Morning, Alan. This is a great one. Um, 100,000 miles, 160,000 kilometres. Uh, these cars, I'm glad it's not an SEL560 because they're, they're not worth much money at all. Um, yeah. It's a difficult one because this is such a buyer-specific car. Um, I've seen them historically. Uh, I try and think in terms of dollar value f- for these cars because when I look out internationally to them, they they sell from anything from twenty five to thirty thousand uh, dollars globally. Um, I, I think here, if you made uh, some really fantastic photos and if you've got some documented history with it, etc., I think you could probably start this car out there around eighty five, ninety thousand dirhams. Hmm see how people react to that but bear bear in mind your phone is not going to ring off the hook this is a very specific car and you need to place it on um classic car Mm. uh, forums uh on classic and mercedes classic facebook pages um you can put it on the big popular classified sites but um I think you have a better chance of getting out there amongst the the classic car community uh, and you know, put it out there at a fair price, as I said, eighty-five, ninety, and yeah, see how you go. Why are you thinking of selling, Alan? I'm just curious because I've had it for about eight years, and she's mm. in great condition, and I've got the paperwork, and she's fully serviced, and and I use it all the time. Um, and it was more nice just to have a bit of a change. But but as Matt says, it's an unusual car for this market. You know, the classic car market here is you know not the same as the international market. So I was just curious. Where, where, did, um, I'll, I'll where did you see it advertised when you bought it, Alan? 
Uh, Andre Bizzle. Oh, it was Andre Bizzle, okay. Um, okay. A, a local Emirati man had it for sale, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So I, I guess I guess Matthew, some you know that those big platforms can work for, for cars like this as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you you put them on the marketplaces, but you need to be broader than that with a yeah. car like this. So if mm. you were selling a, a a Nissan Patrol, yeah, Divisal, no issues. But this, you need to be expansive. You need to go right. Where else can I get this car positioned? Um, and that's what I'm saying. Out onto the classic yeah. car forums, the Facebook pages, etc., is is more likely to move that car. And what about that valuation then, Alan? Will that motivate you to, to let it go? Yeah, it might do. I mean, it, it sounds logical because, again, it's all about condition as well. Mm. Um, you see some of them that are a little bit tired on the market that can go cheaper. And I think that's that's kind of the hard sell as well because it's a niche market and you've just got to take your time until the right buyer comes along that wants one in good condition, I guess. Patience. Slowly, slowly yeah. catchy. Yes, absolutely. Alan, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, let's go to Rod now on line number six. Rod, good morning. Uh, morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, what would you like to ask, Matt? Okay, I've got a 1997 Nissan Patrol. Uh, it's the last year of the box shape. You know, it's a manual. And it's got about 220, 230,000 kilometers on it. Okay, 1997 Nissan Patrol, 220k, Matthew. I'm surprised, Rad, you haven't had a few stickers on your window and, and, and people saying, do you want to sell this car? Because that's usually what, Nearly what every day. happens with Nearly these. Every day. <laughs> yeah, so that's, pro- that's, probably, that's probably your best route to sell it, um, actually, bizarrely, but it is. Uh, I think value-wise... You know, it's up to you what you're prepared to let it go for. My feeling is is around 27, 28, maybe even 30,000 dirhams. But let's let's start pushing these people and saying, well, okay, if you want to buy my patrol, what what are you willing to pay for it? But know that its value isn't much more than that. Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly around what I thought it was. So that's the thing is, I don't ever really want to let it go because I've loved this car for so long. You know, you know, childhood car too. So um. So, yeah, that's kind of it. That's where I was at with it. I always kind of throw a, a higher figure to see how if they bite, but I think I might just hang on to it. Hope that helps yeah. you, Rod. Hope that helps. Thanks very much for calling. Thank you to Thanks all so of much. our callers today as well. Really appreciate everybody who's called in and to our texters as well. Uh, apologies to anyone that we weren't able to get through to uh, because we have a, we do have a lot of messages we don't get the chance to uh, call everybody back and put them onto the show uh, i did have a message in from somebody saying this is the third week in a row that you didn't get my question answered uh when it was clearly mentioned in the text number very disappointed with the program well i'm very sorry all I can do is apologise. All I can say as well is that all of the text messages that we get that uh, we don't get the chance to read out on air do go through as many as possible into speed quote. And then if we don't answer them, it's clearly Matthew Davidson's fault because he didn't uh, give fast enough valuations. Isn't that right, Matthew? That's uh, shunning the blame across <laughs> to me. Come on. <laughs> I know, but, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of my job. Um, so uh, let's do speed quote. Uh, let's see how many we can get through this morning. It's eight to beat. Uh, so we're going for nine. Um, I've got these all laid out very nice and, and clearly. Um, would you like the owner's name or without the owner's name? It will, it no, will use precious gonna, I'm seconds. I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to close my <laughs> eyes, clear my thoughts. Just hit me with the car year kilometers. Let's go. Okay. All right. We're going to start in three, two, one. Oh. Peugeot 508 Allure 2015 black 51,000 kilometers. 
Chevrolet Malibu uh, LT 1.5 litre turbo black 2020 7,200 kilometres. Oh, 75,000. Uh, Jeep Wrangler JK 2016 100k. Oh, selling well. Um, if it's a two door, it'll be 85. Ford Expedition uh, Platinum 2014 130k. Uh, second owner, agency serviced. 3233. Cadillac XTS crossover 2017 84k. About 85,000. BMW X6 3, 35i 3-litre three silver 2019 25k. Oh, expensive car, 245, 250. Nissan X-Trail 2.5-litre L4 2018 37k. Uh, around 75k. Toyota Corolla SE 1.6-litre 2016 white 48,500. Oh, mid-40s, 45. Oh, just eight. Hold on, no, no, Zena's saying it's more. Zena's saying, oh, it's eight, yeah, it's just eight. Are you, are you, are you counting the Corolla at the end? Uh, I'm counting the Corolla, yeah, I'm counting the Corolla. And, and still only eight? That was eight. Oh, I put everything into that, Ray. Oh, I know, I'm so sorry, Matthew. But what can we do? <laughs> <laughs> what can we do? I don't know what we can I do. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what we can do. We could make it longer. No, we can't make it longer. That's the whole. That's the whole point. No. It's valuations in sixty uh, uh, seconds. But look, I'm you very know, happy with eight. I think eight's a, eight's a good effort. Uh, it is a very good effort. But I do think we will we will beat it. We will definitely beat it. Okay, we'll we'll aim for nine on the next show. Okay, is it a deal? Great stuff. Good. All it's right. a deal. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Uh, what, what's coming up for you this week? Um, I'm all on this Axel Inspect. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a project for, for ongoing now. Um, I'm, I'm building out the, the back end of it, the fault codes, 1,800 fault codes. Um, there's so much like uh, real experience. You know, I'm putting 30 years experience into this product as well. So, yeah, yeah we want we want to hang our hat on something that the UAE says, finally, a trusted universal inspection product for, for pre-purchase inspection. So, yeah, it's all about Axel Inspect this week. Cool. Just remind us of the website. Axelinspect.com. Axel is A-X-L-E. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your expertise as always. See you in a couple of Saturdays time. Uh, thanks to everyone who called in as well. There's an hour more of Motormania still to come. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Now shut up and drive. On Dubai I 103.8. Good morning. If you're just joining us, yes, this is Motormania, your chance to talk cars and keep up to date with the latest motoring news. Got to fix that intro bed. Uh, still on today's show, still to come, I'll be chatting to Sonny Baines at Expat Wheels about the do's and don'ts of window tints. And motoring historian Mohammed Lukman will be here to discuss a special UAE-related number plate which is going up for auction in the United Kingdom. All of that, plus a prototype flying car has completed its first flight between cities in Slovakia. Its creator said that it takes just over two minutes to transform from a normal car. It can run on ordinary petrol and it can fly at a height of 8,000 feet for 1,000 kilometres. So that's our question in today's double poll. Firstly, would you like to own a flying car? And secondly, should you need a pilot's licence to fly one? 
you can head over to our page at Dubai Eye 1038 FM and click on the little Dubai Eye logo and you'll see all our stories. You tap through our stories um, and you'll be able to then vote yes or no and we'll give you the results throughout the show. Last time I looked... 58% of you were saying that, yes, you would like to own a flying car. And 83% of you were saying that we should definitely have a pilot's license in order to have the right to fly them. Uh, joining us now to talk about all the latest motoring news, including that story, is journalist Damien Reed. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, Ray. You all right? How's it going? Yeah, going very well. Very busy, um, as usual. But... Uh, but the- Yeah, things are going well. Good. Uh, let's 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 discuss this flying car story to start with. Would you like to drive a car that you can then take off and fly? Personally, I would love it. I think <laughs> it'd be fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how practical it's going to be, but yeah. uh, uh, but it mixes. I, I love flying and I love driving, so um, I think it'd be uh, yeah. I, I I don't think I would ever own one because I don't think that's the future. I think there is a future in them, mm. but I'm not sure they're future in. personal ownership of them. I think it'd be more like a, a commercial vehicle or a, a, an option as a taxi service that, that takes you somewhere uh, that you can call up perhaps in time. But but yeah, I think it'd be great to, to see them around as long as you know the usual checks and balances are in place so yeah. we all don't bump into each other in the sky. Well, that's what Matthew was saying. And, you know, I, I, that, that kind of raises that question, doesn't it? If, if, you know, if you're going to be flying your car, should you have a different type of, of license? I mean, you can get an advanced mm. driving license, can't you? Certainly in, in, in England, in Britain, you can, uh, to kind of show that you've gone through extra training. But with this, you'd surely have to have a pilot's license. Absolutely. And, and there's so much more, you know, that, and that's why I don't think it'll be personal ownership. I, th- I think it'd be like a, like an Uber style thing or mm. a, uh, like the, the, instead the Emirates vehicles that pick you up, they could have you one of those and, and land at, at, at the taxiway at the airport or something like that. Um, because you would need a pilot's license. Uh, and then also other things, I mean, if you have to, when you, when you fly a drone here, it has to be registered with the, with the aviation authorities here just to take photographs. And you have to set flight paths exactly the same way as if you were taking mm. off in a light aircraft so that you don't cross into restricted airspace, that you don't go over the top of the airport yeah. when planes are taking off, that sort of thing. So every time one of these takes off, you would have to register a flight path and there would then have to be set by the aviation authority a series of effective skyways above you so you can't just fly a line of sight to anywhere yes helicopters around here take off to a certain altitude then they join a a, a path that's like a skyway that takes you in a certain route so as a pilot you would have to know those paths so that you, you you're staying effectively on those paths so mm. that's why i think for sure you would have to have a separate license and that's why i think for sure that it wouldn't be uh we wouldn't have one of these in our garages downstairs we would be calling them up and And, and, and having them take us somewhere. Yeah. There'll, there'll be a few billionaires who own them, though, <laughs> I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you know, well, where I think actually would work would be, yeah, would be, would be say, on farms and rural properties yeah. with billionaires who've got massive cattle stations or, you know, where I come from in Australia, we've got stations that are, some, many of them are the size of European countries. And, wow. and they have helicopters to get to the back paddocks. That, that's a standard thing. And yeah. they're now switching to gyrocopters and things like that to use them. This would be perfect, you know, for that kind of thing. Um, but we're talking very, very small numbers, of course. Do you know what I found most? I don't know if this sort of sums up where we are at with technology these days. But, you know, everything's 
changing so fast with so many advancements. The biggest thing that I found unusual about this was the fact that it, it flies on ordinary petrol. I would have thought it would be electric or it would be, uh, I don't know, I, yeah. just thought it, I just thought it would be more, more modern, if that's the right word, than that. Well, I think if you keep it below an altitude, then the petrol won't, the fuel won't freeze. So therefore, you can run it on pump gas. Mm. It wouldn't uh, electric electricity wouldn't work because the weight of the batteries then depletes the range because you're carrying that heavy weight. So I don't think that would ever be electric. They'd have to be a combustion fuel of some sort. Um, but definitely, they're working on it. Hyundai. In fact, Hyundai Europe are actually working on it. Michael Cole, the uh, the executive, uh, the the boss of Hyundai Europe, said that flying cars will be here by the end of the decade and this is this is a major manufacturer in europe talking about that yes he's actually working with with uber to set up what they're calling um uh vertical runways and and that is a uh, little runway so a vertical takeoff in europe he said they're going to have one in coventry in the uk by the end of this year wow. that will be used for autonomous delivery drones and things like that so um, I, they feel so a concept. Old. I feel so old hearing I, all this. Don't, don't yeah, I know, I feel, <laughs> it's all a bit, yeah. I know. Um, it feels it, like we're just sort of just talking about a load of sort of science fiction stuff. Well, it is as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm still living in a Jetsons generation yeah. and, you know, <laughs> and Thunderbirts and things like that where, the, where this all sort of dr- was a dream. But um, <laughs> but it's reality and it's, I think it's going to happen, I think. Well, apparently uh, Morgan Stanley... Uh, have said that the flying car market is projected to be worth $1.5 trillion. And it's not that far away. By 2040, uh, so what's that, 18 years or so? I mean, it's not, it's not very far, is it? And, and it's going to be worth... No. So th- th- if, if you've got a bit of loose uh, loose change, it might be worth investing in, in one of these companies, maybe the one the one in Slovakia, who knows? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people... There, there are a lot of prototypes out there. And this one in Slo- so Slovakia... Um, is is interesting in the fact that it's the real deal. There's been a lot of prototypes that have been, you know, tethered to a crane for for PR shots or yeah. um, you know CGI backgrounds. But this actually flew from city to city, yes. landed, and then drove through the city under police escort. So it's the real deal. It actually runs and it's powered by a, a, a BMW motor. Um, and it it actually is up and so it's beyond fantasy where it's the real thing, and that's why I think there's this particular car has attracted a lot of uh, a lot of attention because yeah. they've taken that step, you know. And for sure, there, it is definitely going to be an industry of some sort, whether it be piloted or or even autonomous. That's that's another big question mark as well. So yeah, I should probably but, cr- credit the guy who's invented this because we haven't named him yet, Professor Stefan Klein. Um, and he's he's clocked up 40 hours in the air so far. Um, and the time it takes to transform, it, it transforms in two minutes and 15 seconds from an ordinary looking car. And it's a beautiful looking car as well, but, but from, from a car to into an aircraft. Um, the only thing I don't have here is um, how much runway it needs in order to sort of take off. I don't think it, I don't know if it lifts up vertically, you know, vertically or is it horizontally or um, or how far it has to sort of what speed it has to get up to before it takes off um but it'd definitely be interesting to see that but yeah professor mm. stefan klein is the genius behind it yeah some um i had a quick look at it i think it, it, it needs a runway to take off uh you know as a conventional aircraft but mm. uh some of them work on some of these concepts that we've seen work on different things some are vertical liftoff um which uses an enormous amount of fuel but but it means you don't need a runway. Others are like like a gyrocopter where the 
the the propellers are bobby like a helicopter, but they're driven by the by the speed of the wind. So it uses a, a runway to take off, mm. and then effectively flies like a helicopter and can land on a, on a very very short uh, landing strip. But uh, you know, it's it's such early days yet. I think yeah. even still, you know, they've been playing with them for twenty thirty years now, um, and working out regulations too. As a, I'm sure there's a lot of people in yeah. in powers and government scratching their heads saying, well, do we register as a car? Do we register as an aircraft? What do we register as both? Therefore, we've got two lots of bureaucracy to, to tick. Um, yes. How is that all going? So I think that's probably going to be the biggest stumbling block before mm. we see them rather than the technology and the brains and the genius the geniuses that like the, these guys that are you know, developing these things. Uh, Damien, good to have you here with us. Uh, we're going to be chatting about a lot of news stories over the next 20 minutes or so, uh, including your uh, electric charging woes. Uh, we'll come back to that. You're back with Ray Addison on Motormania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Chatting to motoring journalist Damien Reed at Damien Reed on Insta. If you'd like to follow him, keep up to date with all his various motoring activities. And uh, this week you've been driving an electric car, Damien, and having a bit of uh, trouble the old charging. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've been driving around in the new Hyundai Kona, which is... A- I tell you what, it's the second time I had it. I had one in Australia for a short time, and I love it. I really, really like this car. It's uh, it, it has a range of about 450 kilometres. Um, it's more the budget end of the electric vehicle run, so it's a family car. It's a five-seater compact SUV, but it's not really an SUV. It's SUV in shape. It's not. You wouldn't take one off-road. Um, and and, and a, just a nice little car. Crucially for this market, it's the batteries are water-cooled and not air-cooled, so it has a little radiator and fan, cooling fans that extends the life of the battery compared to if they're just air-cooled. But anyway, um, I, yeah, so I, uh, I had the car, and I went to go and plug it in to charge it, and I thought, you know, it needed about a 30% top-up thereabouts. So I drove to the mall, parked in the Green Bay, got out, opened the back up, and went to get the cord to, char- to plug it in, and it didn't have the cord um, oh, no. to plug into the, into, into the public systems. And, did, did, uh, did, and also didn't, didn't have any cord or didn't have the right, the right cord? It didn't have the right cord, ah. so it, 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 it comes with two cords. So this yeah. one is for the public charging that you can use the fast chargers, mm-hmm. where you have the swipe card for your DWA as well, so it goes onto your DWA bill. And you know, if I had have used that, it gives it an eighty an eighty percent charge in around about fifty fifty five minutes. Yeah. Um, or you can use the same one if you install a wall box at home, mm-hmm. and that takes around about ten hours. Um, if you don't have that, as I didn't, there isn't a backup emergency <laughs> cable, which simply plugs into your three-point socket, walls pin, three-pin socket. Just a normal, you, just the normal three-pin. Just your normal wow. three-pin, exactly. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but you can actually plug it in and charge it off that. So okay. um, that's what I that's what I did. Now the thing is, if you do that, we're talking half an amp hour charging mm. from zero to full. You're looking at about thirty hours. So yeah. it's 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 purely just for a top-up to get you out of trouble. It's, it's the electric version of, of running out of fuel on the side of the road and yeah. getting a taxi to the gas station for a five-gallon yeah, plastic we, we've drum. We've all done that, to, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, so it was pl- I this is in an apartment building. It was plugged in, and it, I guess you had to just hope that nobody sort of came along and unplugged it. <laughs> you know, I came home at night and I plugged in. I thought, well, let's see how we go. Yeah. I am sure someone might be a little bit disgruntled or, or maybe bump into it or whatever, and I'm going to wake up in the morning and come out and find it on the ground and, mm. and it's not being charged. 
but then I forgot that we live in Dubai and this doesn't happen. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and everyone's quite okay with that kind of thing. If it had have happened in my hometown for sure, and they probably would have cut the cable and stolen the copper as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, pl- it was still plugged in yeah. and charged up. But um, I, So I went to sleep and it charged over about, uh, by the time I plugged in to unplug it, about 11 hours and it yeah. gave it, it, it topped it back up to 100%, which from about 75 70 percent thereabouts so i'm guessing i'm getting you know i guess when you go into a mall or something and you and you can plug in there you obviously you're not paying to to get the electricity it's it you know it's being supplied by the mall or, or you know the government in a sense because they want to encourage people to drive electric vehicles as well i'm get i'm guessing but but when you plug into an apartment block whoever owns that building is is i guess paying your electricity bill yeah i mean if you're using the fast chargers it you need you need like a, a smart card that you carry oh, in your wallet smart from okay. from Dewa, okay. and it has it has a QR code, and it so it charges to your account, and it's right. the same okay. as if you pull up at the garage on the, in the street, you can do that. So that's what generally what's that's what the green char- parking stations are, oh. which is great. So it it goes to your Dewa bill. It's still incredibly cheap compared to using petrol, yeah, and still incredibly beneficial. It's great, and and apartment blocks are installing this around. And the great thing about the this little car I had on the navigation system, it, it gave me a list of about the, the 10 closest uh, charging stations around. So if I was getting into trouble, I could then just hit the button That's and it cool. would guide me to the nearest one and plug in. But in my case, in my particular apartment building, it doesn't have that. Mm. So I just plugged it into the wall. And, and it made me think when I came out the next morning, it made me think, well, I'm not paying for this fuel whatsoever. It's a, it's a free charge yes. for me because I've just plugged into the, into the wall. Now, would... With the tenants around me who walked past and or the landlord, you know, um, heaven forbid, the landlord saw and and saw me taking that, it goes into the collective DWA bill, yep. which then gets split amongst the, re- the the tenants and the residents and the and the landlord. So effectively, everyone is subsidising my fuel. Yeah, and your which, the, the outlet you used is probably designed for somebody. You know, plug, plugging in some other piece oh. of equipment, <laughs> you know, power drills, or yeah, pumping exactly. up tires, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. cleaning equipment for the yeah. for the for the ground. Yeah, so well, maybe, yeah, and and you maybe we should stop talking about it. <laughs> but it, but it does raise the question, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I, it was just one car on its own for, and it was a one charge. But but as the popularity of electric vehicles increases, yeah. uh, if there's a bank of ten cars or twenty cars and they're permanent residents, mm. and that happens all the time then that does raise some questions yeah. then, doesn't it, about, no, you know, subsidies for, for charging your car. And, I, and I'm guessing that um, as, as you know, the city continues to develop, a new development certainly will will be planning for that a lot more than, than older developments. I think we've, we've spoken about this as a topic before. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And as I said, this was an emergency procedure only with the, with that extra charge cord. Yeah. Um, all new buildings are being, uh, and the building is you know, my building is not brand new, but all new buildings are building being built with yeah. this with the charging points in them. Mm-hmm. So it's only for older style buildings, but it's still out there at at the moment. So uh, yeah, it is an emergency backup only. So if anyone sees one plugged in, don't go hard on them because they've obviously that's the only way they can get <laughs> cut charge for the meantime. Yeah, but that's where that's where they are at the moment. Yeah. Um, let's let's stay with the theme of of electric vehicles. But um, there's a big meeting in uh, with the a number of the F1 teams. Yes, a very big discussion going on today at um, it's the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend, and uh, representatives of the the engine manufacturers in Formula One—that's Mercedes, Honda, Renault, and Ferrari. 
are having a discussion about the regulations for when the rules change in 2025. Mm. And importantly, what they've done is, well, they're looking at zero CO2 emissions from 2025. Um, not going down electric route because we have Formula E for that, but they're, they're using a combustion engine technology with a liquid fuel that is zero emissions, an e-fuel, what they, they call it an e-fuel. Now, what they're doing, which is really interesting, is that they've invited representatives from Audi and Porsche who are not involved in Formula One and probably won't be involved in Formula One hmm. to get involved in this meeting as well because Porsche has developed with ExxonMobil a synthetic zero emission fuel that they're running in their 911 race cars, their, their 911 Super Cup cars in Europe. Um, and so I'm sure they're going to be discussing, like, how did you guys do it and what can we can we borrow your technology? Yeah. Uh, but this is going on today. So Formula One, I'm, I'm expecting an announcement, might even be tonight or, or certainly that, uh, imminent, yeah. that Formula One will go zero emission at 20, in 2025, which is an amazing announcement for, for a motorsport category. But it must be um, quite heavy on the carbon, shipping all the cars all around the world to the various different locations and, uh, and races. I mean, I, that presumably would be yeah. a bit of a bigger a bigger problem than the issue of of what they're emitting while they're doing the races and the and the trials oh for sure for sure and and carrying the, the transport around and and everything else now what one thing that COVID has done is that it's cut down that by about 60 70 yeah. percent there's nowhere near the number of people that attend a grand prix anymore compared to what there was in 2019 mm. nor the the equipment and the, the facilities all the trucks now are running on biofuel that they carry everything around. They have done for, for a number of years. So that they've, they've, that's cut. That's been cut right down. Mm. Um, but the issue then, of course, comes into shipping for, for what they call flyaway races, which are races away from Europe where they need to be shipped. That's something to look into it. Um, there's another category called Extreme E, which is an electric off-road series. And they've developed, a, they've got a way around it. They've, they've bought a big old ship and they've converted it to a zero emission fuel. Oh, nice. Okay. And everything goes on that ship, and they've they've spaced the calendar apart so that it gives time for the ship. So no one flies. It gives time for the ship ah. to get there. So as a result, there's only four rounds in a year, but you know they have uh, they they it, it's a completely carbon neutral motorsport championship, and it started here in Saudi Arabia at the start of the mm. year. And then it's gone to Morocco, and I think it's going up to uh, to the to the Arctic Circle soon. Mm. Um, so they've picked these very specific areas where it's environmentally sensitive to show that this can work. So yes, motorsport yeah. as a whole is working on it, and Formula One is one of those that's um, they're trying to find solutions that, that eventually the, the the end goal is that it filters into our production cars. That's it. It's great. Um, last couple of minutes with you, Damien, before we have to let you go. But um, obviously, there's a, been a a big story in Abu Dhabi recently. Five young men uh, have been ordered to sweep the streets. And uh, why? Because it's punishment for reckless driving. Um, and so th- this is this is this is good. <laughs> uh, you know, from, from, to, it shows, doesn't it, to the public that reckless driving is not tolerated. Yeah, I saw this story and I think it's actually really good. And I think it's one of the reasons why I love this region is that they think of back getting back to the to very simple ways of of of, you know, Writing wrongs mm. and and rather than just a monetary fine, which doesn't work with a lot of people, or even the you know a com, uh, like other forms of community service, just the humility of cleaning up your own mess. And in, in, in the case of these guys, scrubbing the tire marks off the off the road that they put there mm. is a fantastic thing. It's doing exactly what 
you know, the, the public servants that would, would have to be doing, the, the, the road workers we were doing, well, get the guys who committed the offence to do it. I, I don't have a... I think that's a, a really good initiative. No, I think it's great. And I, I, I think other countries um, certainly could, could follow this example in terms of, you know, getting people who've committed, you know, minor crimes like this to, to do community service acts, which actually hopefully help the community, but also maybe help them a little bit. You know, I'm sure, you know, yeah. if, if either of us were, were in this situation... You know, we'd certainly have plenty of time to think about, do we really need to be uh, causing this kind of vandalism, causing these kind of problems? And, and obviously the the consequences that it brings, not only to, 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 to society, but to ourselves as well, because now we're having to clean it up. So, you know, it's I, I think it's definitely a, a learning experience. Yeah, hundred percent. And you said you said the word it consequences. It shows that there's a consequence for yeah. what you're doing. And as I said, it puts humility back into it. It shows that well, I've upset this neighbourhood. I've 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 disrupted the, the 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 people around here, or or whatever it might be. And you're actually fixing the issue that you caused, rather yeah. than simply, you know, um, finding points on your license so that you fix twelve months when you go back to to, to the motor registry yeah. and pay a fine. It shows a, a proper consequence. Damien, thanks so much for joining us today. A couple of other stories, but we don't have time to get to them, unfortunately. Uh, what have you got coming up? Uh more Formula One. Yep. The, it's a very, very busy time. We're end of three races in three weekends. So, uh, yes, I'll be heading to the studio now and getting ready for the Austrian Grand Prix and mm-hmm. hoping to hear more about this meeting this afternoon, in which case we'll, uh, we'll break that news as it comes today, if not tomorrow. Brilliant. And uh, you're at Damien Reed on Insta, and I'm sure you'll be uh, doing behind-the-scenes pictures on there and breaking all that news as well on your Instagram feed. Thanks so much for joining us, Damien. Always a pleasure, Ray. Thanks very much. Well, uh, stay with us. We've got lots more to come. We're going to be talking about uh, window tints with Sonny Baines from uh, Expat Motors. And, of course, there's a very special UAE-based related number plate, which is going to be coming up after the break. We're back in the driver's seat. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Dubai I 103.8. Yes, welcome back. If you've just joined us, this is Motorania. I'm Ray Addison. And we've got another sort of 25 minutes or so before uh, we wrap up today. And of course, with temperatures soaring up to 46 degrees today, that's according to the UAE Met Office, cars especially tend to heat up quite quickly during this time of year. And window tints can help to block the harsh rays of the sun. So let's talk about them now with Sonny Baines, the general manager of expat motors good morning sonny hey good morning ray thanks How you for doing? having us on the show How pleasure are you? yeah really good pleasure having you here with us and i'm just quick uh, to let our listener know that if they have any questions for you they can get in touch they can use the arn play app that's completely free of charge one of the things i noticed when i moved to the uae several years ago it uh, and I, it's not really that surprising window tints they are everywhere i feel like i'm the uh, i'm the odd one out because i don't have them pretty, pretty much everybody loves having window tints out here sunny yeah there's there's quite a few reasons for that actually and you've you've touched on one of them which is obviously heat um, reduction mm-hmm. um another reason is is privacy as well yeah. um you know people people want to have a little bit of privacy in the car whether it's because of their kids or uh, they might be um, not wanting people to be sort of staring at them while sat at traffic lights and things like that. Yes. Um, another reason uh, which people actually don't normally consider is um, for accident reasons. So if you're if you're involved in an accident, if you've got window tints, actually um, holds the glass together. Okay, um, if, yes. it, if it ever shatters. Mm. 
Um, and the fourth reason is just aesthetics. It just makes cars look cool. Yeah, it, it, it actually it actually does. So what, what I sometimes think to myself, I drive past the guys in the mall parking lots, and I and I think, should I go and get these these windows tinted? And I and I haven't done it so far. And one of the reasons is, firstly, I don't really know how much it costs, and you know, I don't really want to spend money. It kind of seems to me. You know, if I don't look at the, you know, the reasons, the good reasons you just listed, it's, it seems like something that's not 100% essential. Um, and secondly, I don't know what level of tint I can have and still stay within the law. So are you able to sort of shed any light on that? I can. Um, so one of the one of the biggest concerns for obviously any government um, in Dubai or anywhere else around the world is, is um, the, the safety aspects of, and the driver's visibility. Mm. So the first point to touch on is um, windscreens are a, are a definite no-no. Yes. That's, that's not allowed as per the law. Um, obviously reduces your ability to see out the window. Um, and obviously the windscreen is, is something that needs to be 100% clear. Mm. Um, a few years ago, the law was changed. So you were previously only allowed um, 30%. And I'm just going to briefly touch on percents because it can yeah. be a bit confusing. Now, most most um, manufacturers will talk about the um, visual light transmission. So that's the amount of light that's actually passing through the window. Mm -hmm. So it can be a bit confusing because if you talk about 30%, really, if you're talking about 30% of light passing through the window, that's mm -hmm. actually quite dark. But if you're talking about 30% of the light being blocked through the window, that's the opposite end of the end of the spectrum if that makes sense right yes yeah, so 70 so, percent comes through yeah yes, yeah so okay. um 50 obviously makes it very easy because that's halfway yeah and um there'd be no confusion there so it used to be 30 percent, as in the lighter end um so there'd be there'd be relatively let, let's describe it as a light smoke mm -hmm. um and then 50 percent is is a little bit darker and and that was changed in 2017. Okay. So now you are allowed the side windows that includes the driver um, and or the front sort of side windows, mm -hmm. um, the the rear windscreen and the rear passenger glass as well. So do, do you know why that change was made then? Um, honest answer, no, I don't. But um, I have a I have an idea of why. Mm -hmm. um, a light smoke or 30% on your glass, it, it does reduce the heat somewhat, um, but you can still see through the glass. So um, two reasons, the privacy levels are not, not that, that high. Um, you can still see through it in, in daylight. Um, and the heat protective, the, the darker the glass is ultimately, the less light um, that travels, um, the, more the, the, the more that that window will uh, absorb um, the heat. And uh, another thing I want to touch on is it's not actually the the quality of the, the tint. It's not about stopping the light traveling through for the heat reduction. It's about how much heat that film can absorb. Right. So, so just to summarize two two reasons: privacy and and the heat heat reducing qualities mm. of fifty percent compared to thirty percent. So it's fifty percent now here in the UAE across the UAE. How does that compare to other parts of the world? Because I'm sure I've seen darker tints here than than certainly back in my home country, the UK. Yeah. So um, again, it's it's governments and, and law enforcement. So um, in the states, for example, there's big worries for uh, law enforcement to not be able to see 
um, what people are up to in their vehicles. Yeah. Um, and and again, in the UK, I'm like yourself. I'm familiar with the laws there. Mm. Um, they they are very concerned that motorists won't be able to see out of the windows, and and it and it creates a big um, sort of safety worry there. Mm. So, what, what are there kind of different types of of window tints, and, and which one should we be looking for if we want to obviously reduce heat uh, entering the car? There are a few different types. They're all essentially um, a thermo. Uh, plastic polymer resin compound mm-hmm. um some of them have uh some of them have different materials in them they they range from very cheap um films you can actually buy a roll of cheap film off amazon for about 35 dirhams okay um heat reflective or the heat absorbing qualities of those um not going to be too great so i wouldn't recommend going for a, a very cheap um a cheap film yeah um thing that obviously you need to consider is that if you're ever going to, um, like you mentioned in the mall or one of these uh, retailers that offer tints on a vehicle, um, different levels, the, the more expensive ones aren't always necessarily going to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will, customers will find that they've really been duped into paying over the odds for a tint that they believe because the, the, the sales guy has told them that the most expensive one is the best, but right. there's plenty of mid-range films out there that are, are sufficient and they'll do the job for everybody and they will last and um, last the test of time as mm. well. A uh, couple of texts we've had here. Um, Rama messaged in. She says, my car is 50% tinted and even with that, we had to add mesh shields on the windows in the back for extra protection for our children. My husband's is 30% and it's roasting in his car. You can really feel the difference. I guess that's that's kind of going into um, the re- the part of the reason behind that change, uh, Sonny. Uh, plus, Bushra has messaged in. says, um, how much does a decent garage charge for windows? window tints i feel like i've been ripped off uh how do you know if a garage is legit um so just touching on the first message there um everyone needs to remember that the vehicle's only going to stay cold um or cooler uh based on the, the vehicle's air conditioning system so right. there are some cars out there that just don't have um very strong ac mm-hmm. and and no no tint in the world is going to keep your car cool um, in that sense, when we're in, you know, high 40s and touching on 50. So um, I would say to the first lady that um, it's it's not necessarily just down to the tint. It's it's also going to be the vehicle as well. And if the vehicle's been sat out for hours and hours out in the baking sun, um, the heat retention in there, it, you know, it's going to take a significant amount of time yeah. for the car to, to get cool again. Mm. Um, the second lady, Bushra, was it? Yeah, um, Bushra. The issue of, of, of cost and not getting ripped off. Yeah, so it's, uh, and I do hear about this countless times where somebody's um, been to a garage and they've been sold, you know, an aviation grade film that's got platinum particles or whatever they <laughs> want to sell to the customer, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and charge them three or 4K or beyond for the wow. privilege. Okay. Um, and really that's just extortionate amount of money. Mm. Um, it doesn't need to be um, that, that much. Um, opposite end of the scale, there are garages out there that will tint customers' vehicles for as little as 200 dirhams. And, and for me, that, again, is too cheap because I know the quality of the film that they're going to use is, is not going to be um, good. Mm-hmm. So I would say that for a small car, anywhere sort of between 500 and 1,000. Okay. And then, 
yeah, and, and, a, and a bigger car, like an SUV, you know, anywhere between one or two absolute maximum. Mm. Uh, Sonny, that's really interesting. Tell me about um, your new showroom uh, that has opened now as well, before we let you go. Yeah, so exciting times. It's our second Saturday in the showroom. Um, it's just located behind Golden Diamond Park on mm-hmm. Shakeside Road. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just welcome anybody that wants to come over and have a coffee. We've got a lounge upstairs. And if anyone's got any questions, not necessarily to buy or sell their car, uh, feel free to pop in and, and see us. We'd be happy to see anybody. Fantastic. Sonny Baines, General Manager of Expat Motors. Thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Ray. Cheers, Take care. Cheers. We're back in the driver's seat. This is Motormania with Ray Addison on Dubai I 103.8. Now, how would you like to own a very special number plate which is related to the UAE's 50th anniversary? Well, UAE 50 is going to be up for auction very soon in the United Kingdom. It's officially registered over there and it's owned by a British private collector. Here to talk about it is Mohammed Lukman, UAE-based author and motoring historian as well. Good morning, Mohammed. Uh, morning, Ray. Good to be back on your show. Yeah, great to have you back. Thanks so much for giving us your time. So tell us about this, this number plate. How long has it been around and do we know who owns it? Well, it's been owned, uh, it's currently owned by a private British collector. He's based in England, and I, I call him a serial investor, easy. So he does invest in, in, in number plates, uh, I mean, quite quite frequently. Uh, this particular plate uh, has been around for a while now, I would mm. say, uh, since 1955, that is. Really? And uh, yes, that is <laughs> older than UAE, I would say. So. Yeah. Wow, that, that's actually amazing. But do, you, do we know how long this, this, this particular collector has owned it for? Uh, he has had it for a while, and uh, I mean, uh, the, the plate actually was issued way back in 1955. Yeah. It's been there in in the UK, and if you go up to the uh, the DBLA side, uh, Marur as we call it, you know, the traffic side of the UK, mm-hmm. uh, that's where you find the details of that. So it's currently uh, on a Porsche, and uh, yeah, so uh, in, in 1955 it was issued in the Bristol uh, County. Mm-hmm. So yeah, been there for that long. Uh, there, there's a specific book on this one. Uh, it's called the Definitive Classics, and uh, it's, it's it's a classic number plates uh, book on, based on the uh, the UK number plates. Mm-hmm. It's written by Nicholas Young, and uh, he's a very reputed uh, you know, researcher and, and an expert on number plates. Mm-hmm. So it, it features this particular number plate as well. So you're saying that the the, the person who owns it, and I understand we obviously can't name them, but they um, they're like a prolific collector. Is, is this like a a thing? I mean, I I, I understood that people would collect specific number plates for themselves or or maybe pay a lot of money for a number plate that meant a lot to them. I didn't realize there was kind of a trade in number plates or people who would trade in number plates. So that's a thing. Oh, this is this is a big time trend, I would Mm. say. And uh, there's been a lot of money nowadays. People are investing, especially in the UK as well. Obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're not as big as UAE in terms of spending on number plates. But, sure. uh, you know, their numbers are pretty staggering as well. And uh, people are seeing a, a number plates uh, investment as a very smart investment yes. uh, because the, the values of it has only been going up. And uh, this particular one, obviously, is, is, is one, uh, you know, which is uh, which appears all set to, you know, break some records. Yeah, yeah. OK, so, th- I mean, obviously, the timing of this is, is quite significant. UAE 50, 50th uh, anniversary of, of the UAE, the, the Golden Jubilee, the year of the 50th. So is this going to drum up a, a lot of interest? And, and, and who do you think will be interested in buying this number plate? 
Well, I would personally think it will have to be someone from the UAE who to show that uh, excessive interest. And uh, and apart from them, uh, I mean, it could be you know uh, investors who are sort of always eyeing these sort of opportunities, and uh, it it could be you know an expatriate or a local or an Emirati from UAE. And I would I would love to see it uh, you know acquired by one of uh, our UAE fellow countrymen. Yeah. Well, what what sort of figures do you think we're talking about here? Is there a um, is there a guide price or or a minimum that that it's going to be sold for? And and what sort of heights do you think it might reach? Uh, what do you see? I mean, you can't put a definitive figure on on, on things like these, as, mm. as you would imagine, right? So, and uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I see it at least breaking the UK record, but I wouldn't be surprised if it breaks, uh, you know, an all-time uh, record as well. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, you know, breaks the. Uh, if you remember Abu Dhabi One record, which still stands, right? Uh, it was a Series Five Abu Dhabi One, okay. which was sold for fifty-two million dirham, if you remember, uh, wow. which was uh, about fourteen point two million US dollars, right? And this was way back in two thousand eight, Abu Dhabi yeah. One, if you remember. Yeah. And what about in the UK? What's the what's the record there? Uh, well, the record uh, well, currently stands uh, for uh, uh, it, it's a twenty twenty five zero. That's what the plate is, mm-hmm. and uh, fittingly, indeed, it, it it is on a you know two fifty GTO Ferrari, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's in the range of about five hundred thousand. It went for four hundred. Then you add your the auctioneer's fee. And then the bad as well, so yes. it's, it's well over five five hundred, yeah, half a million sterling. Okay, so I mean, we're, we're the, the the number plates have sold for way way more over here. So there's a very very good chance that the UK record will be broken. We can probably um, expect that to happen. Where is it being auctioned, and 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 when is it being auctioned? If people are sort of listening to this now and thinking UA fifty, yeah, I think I might try and get my hands on that. Where can they go? Certainly, certainly. Why not? In fact, your, your viewers can and listeners can bid for it. Why not? Uh, good luck to them. <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, right. It's specialnumberplates.com. This is a website that's yeah. doing the sale. Okay. It's called. I repeat that. Specialnumberplates.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in case uh, any of your your viewers or, or or your listeners want to see that, I've got the plate right here in front of me. Oh, can there it that? is. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I've, I've got. I've got a, I've got a copy of that, yeah. which has been sent to me, uh, you know, very kind, kindly by the owner from the UK. So uh, this is more like uh, like a souvenir that he sent yeah. out to me. So <laughs> if you can see the plate, yeah, yeah, we can see so, it. We're, we're live yeah. on uh, Facebook Live yeah. now. So, so <laughs> that's I've really... just got I've just got a copy of I've just got a copy of that. So yeah, it's not the, it. yeah, it's not the real thing. I get it. Um, so that's really really interesting. I mean, just I want to chat to you uh, about another story just before we let you go. Obviously, you're a you're a motoring historian, and and today we've been talking all about um, this. Uh, car which has been um test flown in slovakia so it's the it's the world's first flying car it successfully flies on petrol it can go up to eight thousand uh feet uh, uh sorry meters i think and it can also um fly for one one thousand kilometers um as well um what, what how significant do you think this is in the field of motoring uh, well, I tell you what. I mean, at the pace of uh, you know the progress that we are making, the pace at which we are moving. So mm. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, see any sort of a, a barrier in terms of regulation stopping uh, this from coming out. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could well be out very soon. And, and this is quite a significant step, I would say, because I mean, people are, are sick and tired of traffic. You know, when you're mixed of it, you know, you look for things like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out very soon uh, in, in in the near future. I would say very soon. It's too early. Uh, but yeah, so it's just it's just a case of passing through legislation and the government's allowing it to happen. And uh, for, for for the image that we have.
have in UAE, you know, as, as a very progressive and dynamic, uh, you know, uh, nation. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, we could be one of the you know first ones to have it. So. I mean, a lot of um, people that I've been chatting to today, a lot of the guests have, have been saying that they feel that perhaps this will be something that um, is not available for uh, ordinary drivers to to do. You know, it will, it will need to be like a, either automated or it will have to have some sort of pilot sort of taxi driver type service. Do you think that's more likely or do you think one day we could all have our own flying planes, uh, flying cars? Well, I can't. I, I can't foresee, uh, you know, in the near future, uh, you know, it as a mass-produced, uh, you know, uh, uh, option, mm. uh, and I don't see, uh, you know, people owning it uh, personally, like you know, people like you and me. Yeah. It will have to be, it will have some sort of expertise, or unless it's automated, you know, uh, you know, more like the self-driving uh, you know, cars. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's one of the routes which might be taken, or you would have, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, pilots doing that as well. So yeah, I mean, that's one one of the areas that uh, you know. Uh, we'll be headed. That's what it appears. So. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, exciting to hear about that um, historic uh, number plate going up for auction in the United Kingdom. Thanks to everyone who joined us uh, over the last couple of hours here on Motor Mania. We'll be back in two Saturdays' time. Just quick uh, chance to tell you the result of our poll. Would you like to drive a flying car? 62% of you say yes, you would. 38% no. Um, and this one surprised me a little bit. Should you get a pilot's license? 38% percent of you think you should be able to fly these cars in the sky with just a normal driver's license uh so <laughs> that's a little bit surprising but we appreciate your views i'll be back in a couple of weeks